All right, so no, we're not starting walk-up music for pastors, all right? Uh, the point is like, to just draw our minds to that, that the beauty of what orchestras produce, though, when they play a symphony like that, an orchestra produces this fascinating, unique beauty. An orchestra is made up of many sections, which are made of many instruments, which are played by multiple musicians with with different emphasis, like a first chair, a second chair, a third chair. I'm not a musician, so I don't know the details of all of this, but I know enough to know, like, some play harmonies and some play the melodies and so on. Some sections stand out, some provide the beat, and some form just the background to those epic symphonies like Beethoven's fifth there. And if anyone tries to go off on a solo when it's not the right time, or if anyone stops playing simply because they feel like they're just background noise, the whole orchestra is thrown off. And when we think about God's vision for his church and his people, this picture of the body of Christ that Paul talks about here, like the orchestra to me just, just captures that and, and, and points us um, to, to so much of what this passage is getting at when it's talking about the body of Christ. Verses 12 and 13 and the central part of this text says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with his people, with the church, with us. And Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 builds this picture out even more. And so I want to read that text. You can flip it in your Bible there, but uh, it won't be on the screen. It simply says this, and Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Every part of the body, God has placed uniquely to build us up as his people, for his glory, for our good. And as we're reflecting on our values in this series, our next essential anchor is what you saw the Brooks is talking about in that video, self-giving over self-serving. That anchor point for us, this, this value, is rooted in who God's made us to be as his people. It's rooted in, in the fact that we are the body of Christ, and in order to actually be the body of Christ, to, to grow to the full measure of what he intends for us, to, to build ourselves up in love, so that we're not tossed about by every wind of doctrine, so that we're not undermined by this, the, the turbulent times we live in, then we've got to be self-giving rather than self-serving. The body of Christ only works when we're self-giving over self-serving. And so I want to 
begin to break down, return back to that 1 Corinthians 12 text to break down what does this look like? What does this picture of the body of Christ look like? How has God wired us as his people? Going back to verses 4 through 6, what we recognize in verses 4 through 11 is that God's people are gifted to give. The body of Christ has been gifted to give. And so we'll break that down a little bit more. Verses 4 through 6 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. In everyone. And so God gifts every Christian. Every single one. All of us. Not just some, not just those who get up here and preach, not just those who get up here and play songs, but everyone is gifted by the Spirit of God. I mean, can you imagine if on Christmas morning we have three boys and Becca and I just decided one year that, hey, we're going to get like Hudson gifts and Beckham gifts, but not get Wyatt. One, we would give him a super like middle child complex, right? But like no parent would do that, right? Like, we're not going to just choose to not get one of our kids gifts on Christmas morning. In the same way, like, if, if we wouldn't do that as sinners, sinful parents that mess up all the time, how much more would our Heavenly Father not do that? He gifts every one of us with gifts to use. But in what way? In verse 8 through 11, um, if all the talk of tongues and stuff in that first three verses, like, got you piqued your interest. Sorry, we're not going there today. I'll just, maybe another time, but not today. Um, but, but here is what we see. All right, verses 8 through 11. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, some the utterance of knowledge, um, to another faith, uh, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, so on and so forth. And it says in verse 11, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so not only does God gift every Christian, but he gifts every Christian uniquely. Uniquely, with a unique set of gifts. Unique amount of gifts. Go, going back to that, that, that picture of the orchestra that we started with, the orchestra has a variety of instruments with people that have a variety of skill levels. Right? Like, the first chair is the best, right? Like, they, are, they get that first chair for a reason. But, but others have still skill level at it, and there's, there's varying degrees of skill levels, and they each have particular parts to play. And that conductor knows exactly what each song needs, and he, he recruits and he calls upon and assigns each musician as needed. And so God gifts every Christian uniquely to play a particular role within the body of Christ. And then in verse 7, says this. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. For the common good. God gifts every Christian uniquely for the common good. That we're gifted to give. We're gifted not to just build ourselves up, but to build up one another. We're gifted to give to one another, to build one another up, to build up the body of Christ to build up the church in such a way that the love of Christ is overflowing 
from our community and throughout our community, that needs are being met like in the book of Acts, that like people were buying and selling possessions in order to make sure that the basic needs of everyone in their body was met. They were overflowing with the love of Christ using whether they had um, material possessions as gift from the Lord or they had um, spiritual or uh, other kinds of gifts that they could use. They used their time, talent, and treasure all to build up the body of Christ. They stewarded those things and met the needs so that no one had need. And then, though, that love not only overflowed to one another, but that love overflowed to where they were caring for widows and orphans and, and those that, that were being left to the sidelines in society. They were, they were coming alongside and meeting the least of these right where they were at. And so we, as the body of Christ, use our gifts both as we're gathered in the body of Christ as well as when we're scattered in such a way that, that our gifts not only work for our common good, but also for the good of our entire community. As the love of Christ ripples out and has ripple effects through our entire community, reaching the restless with the renewal of Jesus. And so we're gifted to give for the common good, the good of one another and the good of others, all for the glory of God to build ourselves up so that, that we would uniquely picture the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ to one another and to the watching world. We're gifted to give. But there's two big ways that we can distort this reality in the life of the church, that we don't live into that vision. So we know, like, I mean, if you've been in church for very long, what you've come up against is the reality that there are no perfect churches and this is that saying, like, if, if you find a perfect church, like, don't go there because then it suddenly won't be perfect, right? Like, like churches are messy. Like, the life in the body of Christ is, is often messed up. Like, we are sinners coming together, living in community. Yes, we're redeemed by Jesus and, and, and healed in him, and we're growing and becoming more holy. And yet, at the same time, we have plenty of epic fails in the life of individual churches and the church as a whole. And it's because two particular distortions that connect back to that value language, that instead of self-giving, really latching on that idea that we're gifted to give, we end up self-serving. We embody a self-serving independence or a self-serving dependence. And that's what we see in the, we haven't read this portion of the text yet, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, and this will be on the screen as we get to each section here, but 1 Corinthians 12 continues on. He starts in verses 12 and 13 introducing this picture of the body, but then he goes to use that picture to show us how often we easily distort the way the body is meant to be lived out together. There's two big distortions, self-serving independence and a self-serving dependence, and we're going to start with that dependence distortion. In verse 14, says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, 
There are many parts, yet one body. What we see here in the, in the Paul kind of giving language to the, the foot and to the ear is, is what we often bump into in the church. Some of us may struggle with this distortion in the body of Christ, which is a self-serving dependence. It says, I need the church, but I don't, like, the church doesn't really need me. I, like, I can't teach, I can't, like, I can't do anything up here on stage, like, like what, I don't really have anything that important to give, because I'm not that or that, like, I just don't matter, and, and as a result, we actually, like, end up in this self-serving posture, like, it doesn't sound like it, right, because it's saying, well, well, I don't, like, the church doesn't need me, but what that ends up leading to is, is um, a consumeristic and a dependent posture that, that doesn't give of self to others, but rather relies on others serving them, a self-serving dependence. I need the church, but I don't, I don't think she needs me. It's this feeling of insufficiency that's just false, because, because what it ultimately does is it underestimates the power of the Spirit in you. It's not, it's not just underestimating yourself. It's underestimating the power of the Spirit of God. Like, he's the one that gifts us. We don't work these spiritual gifts up. We, we don't produce them ourselves. And so you're not just underestimating yourself. On our own, apart from the Spirit of God, like, none of us bring anything to the table, all right? That's the reality. But with the, with the Spirit of God, like, every single one of us matters. And the church needs you. The church does need you. Because the truth is, every Christian is essential. And so if you struggle with this, this idea of like what, the, what Paul is giving voice to with the foot and the ear, saying, like, I need the church, but the church doesn't need me, you need to remember, no, the church does need you. Because God has chosen to uniquely gift you for the good of the rest of these people in here. He's, he has uniquely gifted you. And it may not be flashy. You may not even know exactly what it is. But those, like, if you're living life in the community of the church, you'll have opportunity for others to be able to affirm that. And they'll be able to see that, and they'll be able to feel that. And if you give of yourself, just starting with, like, involving yourself in other people's lives, then the body will be built up because the Spirit of God has gifted you. Every Christian is essential. And so let's not buy into self-serving dependence that, that just simply comes and, and, and is a passive participant that, that just says, I need to come and get fed and then like, kind of go on my own way because I don't really have anything to contribute. And there's a ton of ways that you can get involved in this body. The Brooks talked about some of those in the early days. You, can, you may not like set up and tear down chairs every week here anymore, but man, you can get involved with kids. You can get involved with greeting. You can get involved with parking. Like, like there's a place for everyone to, to simply serve at just a very basic level. And so every Christian is essential. Don't buy into the lie that Satan wants you to believe that you're not good enough. Because guess what? God has gifted you, and he is good enough. And he has valued you. Don't underestimate the power of the Spirit in you. But the second, the second one is the other end of the spectrum. It's a self-serving independence. And in verse 21, he says this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. See, a self-serving independence says, The church needs me. 
but I, I don't really need her. Like, I don't need people, like, super involved in my life. I don't need them kind of telling me how to do things. Like, it's this self-serving kind of prideful promotion. Like, like I'm, like, I'm going to use these gifts for the good of others, and, and like, like, whether it's for affirmation of yourself or for an agenda that seeks control. Like, it can end up, this independent spirit can end up be, being self-serving in its own kind of distorted way that does not build up the body of Christ. When, we, when we're independently self-serving, we stifle the growth of the body because people become reliant on us rather than reliant on Jesus and the Spirit of God and one another. And so we've got to avoid this one too. And the, and the truth is that no Christian is self-sufficient. Like, like no Christian is made to live apart from the church and the body of Christ. And so there's no room for like, like this idea that like I can be a Christian, but I don't, I don't really have any interest in the church. Like, like yes, you, you can come to faith. You can trust in Jesus. It's not about like becoming a member. Like you don't have to be a member on a roll at a church to be saved in the kingdom of God. Praise God, because it's by gr- the grace of Jesus alone. However, like growing in that grace, becoming more like Jesus like enjoying the abundant life that he promises us in its fullness, it, like God very much intends and ensures that you cannot thrive as a believer apart from the people of God. Because it's not just that you, like you need these people, you need Jesus and the Spirit of God within these people. I need the Spirit of God in you, and you need the Spirit of God in me for each of us to grow into the fullness of the body of Christ so that we would be mature men and women that know, love, and obey Jesus in all that we do. And so we can't have self-serving independence. And we need to remember that I need the church. Verses 22 to 24 says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And in those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. No Christian is self-sufficient. Like, we need what would be considered the weaker or less presentable or the less flashy or the less sexy or whatever you want to call the other, the, the gifts that get you excited and you say you want. Or like, you, you say, well, because I don't have that, uh, but, but what we need is, like, to realize is that no matter what gift we have, we're not self-sufficient on our own. God has wired us as the body of Christ to need one another. And so it's, I need the church, and the church needs me to rightly estimate the Spirit of God in one another. This is God's design. Another way to talk about it is this, like, rather than dependence, a self-serving dependence or a self-serving independence, what we need, how God's designed us to live, is this self-giving interdependence. A self-giving interdependence. Now that's a mouthful, right? Like interdependence. Say that five times fast, right? Like you're going to stumble all over it. But, but it captures the idea of really how God has made us and designed us as the body of Christ. Verse 24 to 26 But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body. So there may be like this unity in the body with everyone 
but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God's design is for his people to have a self-giving interdependence upon one another. It's living out both of those truths that we get out, out of balance in the distortions we just talked about. I need the church and the church needs me. It's, it's balancing those things because God has gifted the church to display his glory and the gospel in our unity. Like the, he said, Jesus said his people would be known by their love for one another. And so we're, we're to have this self-giving, like, other-loving interdependence that says I need the church, that embodies I need the church and the church needs me. He created us to be interdependent with one another. This way, no one becomes the hero except Jesus. Everyone is valued and loved. The body of Christ, when this happens, the body of Christ displays the love of God to the world. Stephen um, I think, captures it really well when he says, if we are members of a local church, we are indispensable. And all of the other members are indispensable parts of our lives. They, too, are part of the body that God has put together to display the beauty of the gospel. What he's getting at is just another way of saying, I need the church and the church needs me. That, that like, we will stifle our own personal growth and the growth of others if we do not full-on participate, full-on engage with the body of Christ and give of ourselves and allow others to give of themselves to us. Not in a self-serving way but in a self-giving way. So how do we live that out? What's that look like practically? Well, it starts with embrace, embracing Jesus' self-giving to us. This is where it starts, embracing Jesus' self-giving to us. In verses 1 through 3 of the passage, it says, Now concerning spiritual gift, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, some, some commentators will, will argue that basically this is like a, um, a, a way to, to, to test out, like, is someone using a, a, a gift um, you know, that's from God, or is it, is it from, from the evil one, that kind of thing? What Paul, I believe, is actually getting at here is what he's saying is that at the very basic level, like to even have spiritual gifts at all, is first and foremost, like, you have trusted in Jesus as Lord. You have turned and trusted in him. You've submitted to him as Lord. You've given your life over to him. And, and so this, like, this self-giving Life in the body of Christ, this having of spiritual gifts and using them for the good of others, all flows from the head of the body, which is Christ. Another way that, that head talks, is talked about in Scripture is he's also the source. And apart from him, the body is lifeless. And what Paul is getting at here in the introduction to this section is that only those who have embraced Jesus as Lord enjoy the vision and design that God intends for his people. Only those who have embraced Jesus as Lord. Like, we don't, what he's getting at here is we don't give in order to get. 
We don't give in order to get. We, we give because Jesus gave himself for us. That we don't start like pursuing this design on like how well we can do this stuff. We don't, we don't start giving in order to get, but, but rather like we've got to at first embrace Jesus' self-giving to us. We give because Jesus gave himself to us. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave himself to bring us back into community with himself. Like self-giving is the way that community thrives, and it starts with the self-giving of the all-sufficient Savior, the God of the universe who comes. And even though we should be serving him, like he should have, like very much, he deserved to come and for everyone just to bow down immediately and start serving him. And yet that's not why he came. He came so that he could serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we don't stop self-serving by simply to start self-giving, like just kind of pull ourselves by our own bootstraps and just determining that, okay, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to start self-giving. But rather, it's by turning and trusting in the one that gave himself for us, the one that came to serve you and me, because otherwise we would never experience the life-giving reality of the body of Christ. Otherwise, we would never experience the life-giving community with God himself as well as one another. Because the whole story of Scripture can be summed up this way. In the beginning, we were in community with God and one another. And yet when sin entered into the world, it broke both of those communities down because Adam and Eve were choosing to, to self-serve. They wanted to become like God. And, and so as a result, those communities broke down. And yet, and God pushes them out of the garden for their own sake because sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. And so he removes them, but with a plan, with a plan that he had before the foundation of the universe, a plan that he would send his son to make up for that sin, to bring his people, to ransom them back from the punishment that sin deserves, and to bring them back into community with himself. And so Jesus came and lived the perfect life that deserves to be in the presence of God, that deserves to be served. But ultimately, he chose to give of himself the self-giving, like, all grace kind of love from God is what he showed us as God himself, laying down his life on the cross and rising from the day, dead three days later. He made a way for us to come back to God. And it's not by us starting to just give of ourselves. It starts with allowing Jesus to serve us, to ransom us. And it starts by just acknowledging that we have been self-serving. In our sinfulness, each and every one of us serves self over others every single day. Like, when I got married, like, I had thought, like, during college, like, oh, like, I've grown in holiness and all of these sorts of things. Like, I'm much holier than I used to be. And then I got married. And it was like that relationship and that tight-knit community, right, with my wife, like, suddenly exposed you got a long way to go because you're selfish and self-serving all over the place, right? And then we had kids, right? Just as I was starting to think I got this marriage thing figured out, like, then we had kids. And it was like, no, like, you're still really self-serving. Every single one of us is naturally self-serving. And apart from letting Jesus serve us, 
and allow his grace to fill us and allow him to give himself for us first, we will never suddenly start to give. We've, we only give because Jesus gave himself for us. And so if you've never turned and trusted, turned from serving yourself to trust in Jesus, to allow him to serve you, to save you, to ransom you, to bring you back into community with God, to give you abundant and eternal life, if you've never done that, do that today. For Paul says today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait. You can turn and trust in God right here, right now. Experience the giving grace of God for you. Step into that community with God as well as then the community that you can have in his body of, the, of a church that would build you up and you can experience the abundant life that he offers each and every one of us starting today. Just admit to God that you've been self-serving and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross and in the resurrection. But then as we do that, church, for those that have been walking with Jesus, then we follow his lead, right? Like, we've got to start by allowing Jesus to give himself to us, and we've got to do that each and every day. Like, it doesn't just stop, right? Like, like it is once for all we're saved when we embrace Jesus' gift to us, but then, like, we need him every day. We need the Spirit to empower us every day. But as we do that, we follow Jesus' lead by taking the posture of self-giving over self-serving. But for us, since we aren't self-sufficient, Jesus is the self-sufficient one. He doesn't need anybody. All right, there is no, like, he needs the church, and the church needs him. No, 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 like, like we just need him. But we're not that. We're, we aren't self-sufficient, and so we've got to practice interdependent self-giving. Like, we're going to follow Jesus' lead as the head, following his lead. What, like, when Jesus says he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that's the picture that we're called to enter into now, to imitate Christ in that way, to to serve in such a way that we're willing to even lay ourselves down for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to lay ourselves down for the good of others, just like Jesus did. No, most of us aren't going to have to literally give up our life like Jesus did on the cross, but it is like Jesus calls us to come and die when he calls us to follow him. And so self-giving, this interdependent self-giving is this whole giving of ourselves to one another. It's this balance, though, by this interdependence of I need the church and the church needs me. Like, we're not the Savior. Like, we don't come to others as the Savior, as the hero of the story. It's a self-giving that says, like, like I know I need the church, and yet I'm, like, the church does need me. So I'm going to give of myself, and yet I'm going to receive of their self-giving as well. So how do we do that? Well, how do we practice? We're going to talk about how do we practice I need the church. And then very briefly, we'll talk about how do we practice the church needs me. All right? So if you need to grow in the, like, I need the church part, right? You struggle with that self-serving independence, maybe. Like, turn from that and embrace that you need the church. One step to do that is just to invite others into your life. Like, get involved with a, a community group. Get involved with a couple of people. Like, if, like, guys, if you're, like, invite other guys into your life. Ladies, invite other ladies into your life to, to, to know you, first and foremost. To be able to come alongside you, to, to like, know what your prayer needs are. And that means you, like, you have to be willing to say, I need the church. I need other people praying for me. And then you have to be vulnerable enough to share like, legitimate prayer needs. Not just prayer needs. I mean, it's important to pray for like, health of, of family members and those kinds of things. But like, 
if you're really embodying I need the church, like you're going to be sharing things of like, this is how you can pray for me in my walk with Jesus. Like I'm fighting this sin or I'm struggling with this idol in my life. And we've got to invite people into our lives. The community groups is one of the key ways to do that. But maybe there's a couple of people that you could just invite in because community groups don't fit your rhythm of life right now. And you could just invite in for coffee every now and then and say, hey, I, I know I need the church. And I need it more than just Sunday morning gathered. I need it while I'm scattered out. And so I need brothers or I need sisters to come alongside me to know me well and to help point me back to the gospel of Jesus Christ day in and day out. So invite people into your life and then involve others in the work that you do. Like though you're gifted, like what we're called to is not, hey, I can, like, I can do this on my own. Like invite others in. They may have the same gifts as you. And, and, like, they may have less developed gifts because you've been walking with Jesus in that gift for longer. Like, involve others in it. Develop others because, the, like, it's a part of I need the church is that, that we, we bring others along. They need you, and so you bring them along, and, and you need them because they'll have new ideas, and they'll have even better ways of doing things a lot of times, right? Like, we need the church as we lead and as we serve. We don't do it together. And so involve others in the work and in the service that you do. Bring someone else along for their good, but also for your own good. Because I think you'll be surprised how often that you learn by, from those that you're developing more than they're even learning from you. And so embody I need the church by inviting others into your life and involving others in the work. But then embody the, the fact that the church needs me, the church needs you in this in a couple different ways. One, just start by identifying your gifts or ask others to help you identify your gifts. A few ways to, to think about that. Like we all have time and we all have treasure to some degree or another. Um, and then we, we all have talents, right? So time, talents, and treasures. Those talents more referring to like gifts of the spirit, but, but that can be a variety of things. And, and so God has gifted each and every one of us with a variety of things to steward. Maybe not all like classical spiritual gifts. I'm talking about even more broadly than that. College students, like, you've got more time than um, people in season of life with lots of little kids. You have a gift of time, right, in a way that they don't. Um, but you don't have a lot of treasure, right? <laughs> like, let's just be real. Like, and, and so, like, there's just different gifts in different seasons, right? And, and so, just identify your gifts. As far as spiritual gifts, I know that's some, like, where a lot of the questions may be. Encourage you to, like, read 1 Corinthians text, or chapter 12, and but then Romans chapter 12 as well has kind of a list of several things. First Peter chapter 4. But none of those lists are intended to be exhaustive. And so invite people into your life to, to and just say, like, what do you see in me? Like, how do you think the Spirit of God? And, and allow others to affirm you. Like, that's one way to discover your spiritual gifts. Allow others to affirm you. So recognize the church needs you. But then a couple of other A's you can, like, you can think about your affinity, which is like, what, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing, right? As well as your ability, right? What, what are you naturally good at? And how could that then, then just think about, okay, well, how could that be used in the life of the church? And you may need to do this in conversation with people within the body, because you may not see the, the connections that others will be able to see for your giftings. And so identify your gifts, affinity, ability, affirmation, and then invest your gifts, Invest your gifts. And invest them sacrificially. 
with a self-giving over self-serving kind of attitude. Once you've identified them, then just lean in and go for it. Sign up to serve in some way. Just begin to serve others. Like, like get out there and, and begin to give of yourself like Jesus gave of himself for us. And one of the key things I want to want to touch on before we wrap up this morning is that like the churchwide retreat that was announced is a great opportunity to begin to discover your spiritual gifts, to, to enter into this reality of I need the church and the church needs me. Because what we're talking about there, the theme is onward together. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and, and mobilizing people in different um, areas of service so that you can identify how you can begin to self-give to others rather than just receive. As well as for, for those of us that, that are leading, we can recognize that, that, hey, we need others to be around us. We're going to be building teams while we're there. We're going, to be, we're going to identify ways that we can all begin to embody, I need the church and the church needs me. And so I just encourage you, like, the churchwide retreat, I believe, is going to be an absolute blast. Like, we've done them at churches that I've been a part of in the past. Like, I don't think it's something you want to miss. It really is a place where, where like, you turn, my mentor used to always say, retreats are a place where, like, you turn the volume down on the world and the volume up on God. All right, and so it's an opportunity to, um, to be still together in the presence of the Lord and, and to, to grow together as a family. And, and let me tell you, if you feel like not super connected here yet, like the church-wide retreat, it may feel a little awkward to sign up for that. You like, might be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, man, it is the place to start getting connected. All right, like it is going to be amazing, and it's going to be a great place to begin to embody the self-giving reality of I need the church and the church needs me. And so I just encourage you to like sign up for that. That's a super practical like step you can take as you're leading from here today. But as we wrap up this morning, God has designed us as his body like an orchestra and he intends to perform a majestic symphony through us. And this is for the good of his people, the good of one another, but also the good of those who don't yet know him. Because as his grace is on display through our self-giving, the restless, the hopeless, the lifeless will, can and will find renewal in Jesus' self-giving, in his gospel. God wants to leave a resounding impact in Columbia and to the ends of the earth through this church. I fully believe that. I'm confident of that because that's the way his kingdom works. The question is, will we admit that we need the church and the church needs us? Will we lock arms, embrace our gifts, serve and build up one another as we take our community and our world for Jesus Christ? Will we embrace church, self-giving over self-serving? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. I'm just so thankful that Jesus gave of himself in our place so that we might live, that we might have life with you, that we might be brought back into community with you and into community with one another. That people that like we otherwise would have, would have never rubbed shoulders with, that we, otherwise we would have never had something in common with, we have the, the greatest thing in common. And we get to live this life together. And we get to serve one another rather than ourselves. Give of ourselves sacrificially, God. Not because we're great, but because you are. We need you in one another. God, we thank you for the way you've built us as your people. 
And Lord, I pray that we would embody this here at Anthem, that we would be a self-giving people, and that it would be on display for all of Columbia to see, not to say, oh, great job, Anthem, but, but so that you would get glory, so that people would see your love and fall in love with Jesus and follow after him in his self-giving way. God, I pray that you would use us for your glory and the good of others and all that we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.